Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month, October 2019. Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month is a compilation of the weird, disturbing, and downright baffling stories currently happening in our world. From UFOs to serial killers, ancient sites, mysterious creatures, and even ghosts, these are the Strange and Scary Mysteries for the month of October 2019. Raid Shadow Legends. I don't play a ton of RPG games, but this one's really pretty cool. The graphics and amount of detail they put in is amazing. It's super fast and I'm always playing as the big green monster because he's the coolest in my opinion. They have almost 10 million players worldwide who have already downloaded the game in just 6 months. And the reviews are awesome as well so you don't have to just listen to me. There's more than 300,000 of them and Raid is almost a perfect score on the Play Store. The game is growing super fast and the highly anticipated new Faction Wars feature is now live. And there is a new awesome rewards program for new players. Get a new daily login reward for the first 90 days in the game. You can come play with me on there under the name Scary Mist. That's Mist with a Y, so bring it on if you want. Go to the video description, click on the special links, and you'll get 50,000 in silver and a free epic champion as part of the new player program to start your journey and help you be able to beat me. Maybe we can do it up in a clan and even play together. It's totally free, so give it a try, and I'll see you on there. Number 5. Man in his van He hated people who had sex. That's what 25-year-old Alex Manassian told the police. Fueled by this hatred, the Toronto, Canada native took a van and pummeled into a crowd on April 23, 2018. At least 10 people died as the van hit the busy Toronto neighborhood. The victims were as young as 22 and as old as 94. Manassian proclaimed himself to be an involuntarily celibate, also called an insul. These are men who blame women for not having the ability to have sex or create relationships. Manassian admitted to police he never had a girlfriend before and that he was a virgin. He said he used the van to serve as a weapon because he wanted to inspire others like him to start more attacks. He added that he knew other guys online just like him, but they are too cowardly to act on their anger. It was discovered Manassian had been regularly posting his frustrations and views on 4chan, fast becoming an internet space where radical views are found. At the same time, he told detectives that he actually got in touch with a killer named Elliot Rogers, the college student that killed six people and wounded 13 more during a shooting and stabbing spree in 2014 at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Recently, when he was interviewed after committing the crime, Manassian said he felt like he had accomplished his mission. He added he would have continued to kill more people if he wanted to. The only reason he stopped the van was because someone splashed a drink on his windshield, hampering his visibility. The killer also said he wishes he had an intimate relationship with someone, revealing the only attempt he ever made in asking a girl out was in 2012. He was turned down. Crushed by the rejection, since then, he's been harboring resentment towards people, and more specifically, women. Manassian has been charged with 10 counts of murder and 16 counts of attempted murder for the attack. He hasn't entered a plea yet, but his trial is set to begin soon in February of 2020. Number 4. Serial Killer Found After 30 Years 
From September 15, 1986, all the way up until April 3rd of 1991, a total of 10 rapes and murders were reported in the small city of Wasiong in South Korea. All the victims were women who were found bound, gagged, and then raped. They had been strangled to death using their own clothing. The string of murders were so severe and shocking that it ignited the largest criminal case in the country's history. Thousands of officers were mobilized to investigate the case, and up to 21,000 suspects were involved in the investigation. A police sketch of the suspect was released right before the seventh murder happened on September 7, 1988. On top of the murder, the culprit had also assaulted countless women. The women described him as being thin in his mid-twenties, he had no double eyelids, a sharp nose with short hair, and curiously, soft hands. But despite the sketch and description, no one was ever linked to the crime. For years it sat untouched, as the statute of limitations arrived for many of the cases. When the first few killings happened, Korea only had a 15-year statute of limitations for first-degree murder. It was increased to 25 years in 2007, and in 2015 it was officially lifted, but it didn't apply retroactively. Luckily, since police knew the Wasyong murders were high-profile, they kept the evidence and police records intact. Fast forward to 2019. This September, South Korean police announced they finally found a suspect for the murders. Lee Chun Jai is a 56-year-old man incarcerated at Busan Prison for raping and killing his 18-year-old sister-in-law on January 13, 1994. Although he denied responsibility for his sister-in-law's death, he was found guilty and sentenced to death. His sentence was later reduced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after serving 20 years. But police used DNA evidence taken from several crime scenes from the Wasiong murders and found a DNA match with that of Lee's. He is positively linked to four out of nine unsolved murders. Although he initially denied he had anything to do with the killings, he eventually caved and police announced that he had confessed. Not only that, he said he killed 14 people in total, as well as having committed more than 30 rapes and attempted rapes. Number 3. Ed Buck Arrested Those in the know among West Hollywood's Democratic political sector would not miss the name Ed Buck. Over the years, the retired entrepreneur has rubbed elbows with some of LA's most prominent politicians, donating his time and thousands of dollars to liberal causes. But despite his prominence, many cry out that Buck is a predator, and worse, he's a killer. Born Edward Bernard Buckmelter, he went on to become known simply as Ed Buck. He was born in Steubenville, Ohio, and later moved to Arizona at six years old. At 16, he told his parents he was gay. After college, Buck spent the majority of his life touring Europe, as well as appearing in commercials, doing modeling gigs, movies, and magazines here and there. He returned to Arizona in the 1980s and ended up helping a friend run a business called Rapid Information Services. When the business neared bankruptcy, Buck bought it for $250,000, then renamed it to Gopher Courier. After five years, he sold it for over a million dollars profit. He then went ahead and started various businesses. By 32 years old, he was considered quite wealthy. 
He soon dove into politics and continued his political activism when he moved to West Hollywood in 1991. It was here he shifted parties and became a Democrat. He is well known for his campaign on banning the sale of fur products. In the last few years, Buck has maintained a low profile, but has continued to support various politicians. But suspicions about his personal life soon brought him back again into the spotlight. It was July of 2017, 26-year-old Gemmel Moore, a young black man who was working as an escort, was found dead inside Buck's apartment. Moore had died from a methamphetamine overdose, which was deemed accidental by the coroner. Buck proclaimed himself innocent, but when police searched his apartment, it was filled with drug paraphernalia. The Los Angeles Times also came upon a journal owned by Moore. In it, he noted Buck had given him his first injection of crystal meth. Despite the suspicions, Buck was never arrested or linked to any crime. And in January of 2019, another black man, Timothy Dean, was found dead in Buck's home. Again, it was from an overdose of some type of substance, according to Buck's lawyers. But Dean's roommate argued he had never seen Dean take drugs or be in a drug-altered state. There were no charges brought against Buck, despite Dean's mother filing a wrongful death lawsuit against him. Then recently, on September 11, 2019, Buck was in the spotlight again when a 37-year-old man known as Joe Doe in court records suffered a near overdose in Buck's apartment. The documents state the man was brought into Buck's home on September 4th and was given injections of methamphetamines. On the day of the attack, Buck gave him two large doses of meth and refused to call 911, and the man fled the home and managed to seek help. When police searched Buck's apartment, they found hundreds of pictures of young men in compromising positions. Following the allegations and the suspicious deaths in his home, Buck was finally arrested on September 17, 2019. He's officially known to have three victims, but prosecutors believe he may have killed more people. They say, as of today, investigators have found at least 10 additional victims. Of those, nine of them were given or strongly encouraged by Buck to take narcotics as part of their agreement for getting paid in exchange for sexual services. Some of the men said he gave them a drink of clear soda, then they immediately passed out or felt weak or tired. Buck would then come at them with a syringe filled with meth. Other victims also echoed the same experience. Curiously, the homeless men around Buck's apartment actually refer to him as Dr. Kevorkian, for the U.S. doctor who had helped patients in assisted suicide. Buck is now facing both state and federal charges for his crimes. Number two, man confesses to Stephen Avery's crime. It was October 31st, 2005 when photographer Teresa Hallbach was reported missing. She was last seen at Stephen Avery's salvage yard to photograph a minivan for sale. When Hallbach went missing, police turned to Avery as a suspect. They searched his salvage yard and found Hallbach's car partly concealed. On it, there were bloodstains that matched Avery's DNA. Investigators also later found charred bones, possibly human, in a burn pit close to Avery's home. Stephen Avery was arrested for the crime and charged with sexual assault, kidnapping, murder, and mutilating a corpse on November 11, 2005. Aside from him, his nephew, Brendan Dassey, was also charged as being an accessory to the crime. Police said he confessed to helping his uncle dispose of Hallbach's body. 
Dassey was only 16 at the time and was interviewed four times within a 48-hour period without any parent, legal counsel, or adult present. He is said to be highly suggestible, which many believe could be the reason why he confessed to the crime in the first place. It's worth noting Dassey later recanted his confession, saying he got most of his ideas from a book. What made the case even more unusual is that prior to the Halbach case, Stephen Avery was wrongly accused of raping and assaulting a woman named Penny Bernston at Lake Michigan Beach. The victim picked Avery from a photo and live lineup, even though his alibi of being 40 miles away in Green Bay just before the attack and being seen by up to 16 witnesses held up. He was still charged and sentenced to 32 years in prison. Avery maintained his innocence and served 18 of those years behind bars until a Brown County detective called Manitowoc County Jail telling them another inmate had confessed to the rape and assault. But Manitowoc County Sheriff Thomas Cockerick reportedly told the Brown County detective, we already have the right guy, don't concern yourself with it. It was only in 2002 when DNA evidence from the case was used by the Wisconsin Innocence Project to fully exonerate Avery from the crime. Instead, it showed a man named Gregory Allen who looked strikingly similar to Avery that had attacked Burnson. Avery got out of prison and he later filed a civil lawsuit against Manitowoc County and its former sheriff. That was settled in February of 2006. This problematic experience with the police is believed by Avery supporters to be the cause of why his case with Teresa was mishandled so badly. His attorneys say the local authorities tampered with evidence to make it look like Avery had committed the crime and that he's now behind bars again for something he didn't commit. Stephen's case was brought to the public eye when it was featured on the Netflix and Emmy hit Making a Murderer. More recently, however, another inmate has claimed responsibility for Teresa Halbeck's death, possibly letting Avery off the hook once again. The inmate, named Joseph Evans Jr., is serving life in prison for the murder of his wife in Wisconsin. Avery's lawyer posted the written confession but said it's worthless and less corroborated. While many are looking at it as proof Avery didn't commit the crime, police reminded people that Evans had told them the opposite before, that Avery confessed to killing Halbach to him. The confession is being looked into. If proven valid, Avery and Dassey could go free. Number 1. Navy Confirms UFOs Exist It seems Mulder was right all along. Aliens are real and the United States Navy just confirmed it. And even stranger, many people don't seem to be talking about it. Back in 2017, the New York Times dropped a bombshell on the public, exposing the Pentagon's mysterious UFO program called the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, which ran from 2007 to 2012. The man behind it was Luis Elizondo, who, after leaving the program, worked with To The Stars Academy, a company run by Blink-182's Tom DeLong. The company released two separate recordings of U.S. Navy pilots encountering a flying object they could not explain, UFOs. After years of silence, the United States Navy finally confirmed that the videos one taken on November 14, 2004, known as the FLIR-1, and two videos taken in January of 2015 are still tagged as unidentified. While it doesn't ultimately prove aliens, 
it does beg the question, who could operate and run such a high-tech craft if it's officially not made by the U.S.? An even bigger mystery, though, is now that the United States Navy has announced the crafts captured on those videos are, in fact, unidentified, the news of it seems to have been met with a cold shoulder. In fact, you would think news like this would cause a ruckus, but it hasn't. On May 31st, 2019, Christopher Mellon, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, went on Fox News confirming the existence of UFOs. He said, We know that UFOs exist. This is no longer an issue. The Navy itself has publicly acknowledged the fact that they exist, and active duty pilots have gone on the record with the New York Times acknowledging the fact that they exist. So the issue now is why are they here? Where are they coming from? What is the technology behind their flying objects to have such a speed of 5,000 miles an hour? At the end of it all, it's surprising this isn't front page news today. Although it's happened in a less stellar way, UFO believers are finally getting confirmation. First, that unidentified flying objects are 100% real. Second, that there's a huge chance other life forms exist in the universe and they're visiting us. Third, that the United States government, including France and the UK, already have some level of knowledge about these crafts. And fourth, they've been likely studying them for years. So there were the strange and scary mysteries of the month for October 2019. Every day we encounter strange and mysterious stories that most of us don't know what to make of. These are just a handful, but there's still so much more to uncover. If you enjoyed watching this video, then please subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell. We have new videos coming out every Wednesday and Saturday night that we know you'll want to check out. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.